What the hell is wrong with this governor? Veterans and their families are getting sick and dying, Governor. Get them out of there now. Good morning, everybody. Can you talk about, you talk about Elena Hampton and do you think we can? that way. This chocolate serve represents diversity, women, people of color, people with disabilities, the aging population. Once again, there's no shortage of drama in Illinois politics. I'm Melba Lara, and I'm joined by WBEZ political reporters Dave McKinney and Claudia Morell to translate the week's political news and what it means for you. This week, the Rauner administration reported a fourth new case of legionnaires at the Illinois Veterans Home in Quincy, Illinois. That set off a flurry of responses in the primary election and really all over Illinois politics. Dave, let's start with you. Catch us up on what's been playing out on this issue over the last week. Yeah, hey, Melba. Let's start out with what may be a bit of a reversal for Governor Rauner. We don't know for sure, but... Um, a little history lesson here. 13 people have died since 2015 at the Quincy home. Dozens more have been sickened. Governor Rauner has been against moving residents out of the facility because he says so many of them are frail and it might jeopardize their health. But he might be softening a little bit. Here's what he said this week when he was asked if that option is back on the table. Moving the veterans is an option that we've evaluated in the past. We will be evaluating it again now and at all times. We are evaluating every possible opportunity. Whatever we do, we need to be very thoughtful and very careful about it. We don't want to increase their risk of uh, damage to their health. I mean, Rauner, of course, got a big press pop when he stayed in Quincy for a week back in January to, to show that he was in tune with what was going on there. But back in 2016, remember, he went there as well, and he said the state was on top of the situation. But since then, we've seen 10 confirmed cases of legionnaires. We've seen a fatality. And honestly, that doesn't exactly instill confidence that the governor or his administration is in control of this problem right now. And Dave, it seems like this is something that's not going to go away anytime soon. What does this mean for Rauner's re-election campaign? There's no doubt that the challengers certainly have had a lot to say about this this week. Well, that's right, Melba. He's already regarded as one of the nation's most vulnerable Republican incumbents. And here's the deal. Being perceived as not doing enough to keep elderly residents in the state's care from dying, that's a brutal campaign commercial that writes itself, and it's got potential to move votes. Listen to how Rauner's Republican challenger, Jeannie Ives, the state representative from DuPage County, went after him on the issue this week. Thirteen dead, and people keep getting sick, and the governor, who says he's not in charge, is living down to that description. There's nothing left to say. Well, on the Democratic side, J.B. Pritzker is at it as well. He held a press event outside a half-built veterans home on the Chicago's northwest side. The governor says he's trying to do something about it and hasn't. Even now, it appears that they should be moved out and the investigation needs to proceed and we need to finish the home here and make sure that the one in Quincy is rebuilt so that it's safe for our veterans. You know, at this point, this issue has become so politicized What do you think it means for the veterans' home itself? And are the politics getting in the way of a real fix here, either through the legislature or some other way? There's widespread interest in the legislature to do something. But Rauner, even though he says he's got a plan, he needs to show people exactly what his plan is. Um, He might also need to acknowledge a mistake or two in the past. But but Illinois' two U.S. senators, Democrats Dick Durbin and Tammy Duckworth, they've pledged to round up federal money to help here. But like everybody else, they're waiting on the governor to say, you know, should we rebuild in Quincy or should we simply pull out more old piping there? Well, Governor Bruce Rauner isn't the only one facing some unrelenting heat ahead of the primary in March. House Speaker Michael Madigan fired another longtime political operative this week over allegations of misconduct. This comes after Madigan removed a top aide named Kevin Quinn last week. 
And before we get into what all this means for Madigan, let's bring in Claudia Morell. Kevin Quinn's the brother of Chicago Alderman Marty Quinn, and you spent a lot of time last week tracking him down. This week, you finally caught up with him. Yes, he uh, finally showed his face at City Hall for a routine licensing matter on Tuesday. And to set the scene, I need to tell you that Quinn is not like most aldermen. He's essentially invisible. He's never had a challenger, rarely speaks, and has no social media presence. And everything in the 13th Ward has the name Madigan Quinn, like they're a package deal. And so he really embodies the old Chicago political adage, don't make no waves. And here's how it all played out when he saw us in the hallway. Good morning, everybody. I didn't hear a lot of response there coming from him. But Alderman Quinn isn't the only one that's dodging the issue, though, right? No, he's not. And keep in mind, Madigan is the most powerful Democrat in the state. So Mayor Rahm Emanuel, gubernatorial candidate J.B. Pritzker, and U.S. Senator Dick Durbin also kind of deflected on the issue this week. Should Mike Madigan step down as chair of the party in light of what... Uh, We'll talk about that later. I'm here to talk about education. Look, I've said that that the investigation needs to proceed, and anybody that's a perpetrator, anybody that hid anything, anybody that's responsible here needs to be held accountable. I don't have all the details of all the things that have been said about what happened uh, in his office or in his campaign at this point to make any other decision. So sexual harassment and Mike Madigan are both issues that could still reappear. Dave, let's bring you back in. Madigan continues to defend his handling of these situations. He has no challengers in the upcoming election. So what's exactly at stake for him here? And do you see him stepping down as party chairman or even as House Speaker? Honestly, until one of those Democrats starts complaining, I would not expect Madigan to move an inch. And, you know, sure, Madigan's bruised. He's battered by all the, the negative rounder campaign ads. But unless there's new sexual harassment claims targeting Madigan specifically, I don't see much chance of him stepping down as the longest serving House Speaker in American history or as state party chairman. The only voices now encouraging that come from people who don't really have his political backing anyway. You've also got Democratic State Representative Kelly Cassidy, a member of his caucus, making some noise in the House. But there's really not any sign of organized or widespread revolt. That said, I think a big swath of the party is nervously waiting and they're nervously watching to see how this unfolds. And today uh, at City Hall, Alderman Pat O'Connor, the second most senior member of the city council, kind of gave the biggest defense of Madigan so far. He took a utilitarian approach. If the Allies had pulled Eisenhower out of his position when the troops were landing on Normandy, you would take the head of, of those forces and throw those forces into disarray. If you look at the state party and feel that it's important that we elect individuals that the party has backed, uh, then you wouldn't take your leadership out when you're about to uh, have the election. O'Connor said that after the committee he chairs approved an ordinance strengthening the city's policy on filing sexual harassment complaints. And thanks to our friend A.D. Quigg over at The Daily Line for sending us that audio. Well, let's switch gears here. Former presidential candidate U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont came to town this week to endorse Jesus Chuy Garcia for the 4th Congressional District race. Uh, Claudia, how did he get this endorsement from Bernie Sanders? Well, when, when he ran for mayor, Chuy Garcia was a relatively unknown politician from the city's Little Village neighborhood, an area he also represented as alderman. And he and Sanders have really taken advantage of several newly formed progressive groups and young voters, uh, many of them who say that they're tired of the status quo. And Sanders campaigned for Garcia in the mayoral race, and Garcia endorsed Sanders for president. Uh, and here's Sanders at the rally on Thursday. The establishment of Chicago knows that you are here 
and they are getting nervous. Now, that comment is kind of interesting, given the fact that uh, the guy Chuy Garcia is replacing, Congressman Luis Gutierrez, essentially cleared the field for him. He announced his retirement and endorsed Garcia on the same day, all a week before the filing deadline to get on the ballots. If that's not establishment politics in Chicago, I don't know what is. Well, yeah, and I want to jump in here, too. I think I know a couple of Illinois gubernatorial candidates who have been left on the side of the dance floor here, and they probably both have pretty forlorn looks on their faces. Both State Senator Daniel Biss and Christopher Kennedy could have benefited from a few nice words from Sanders. They're both chasing Pritzker. They're looking for creative ways to compete with his big political bank account. But guess what? They didn't get a peep from Sanders, and it doesn't look like they will. And I also thought it was kind of ironic when Sanders said that he and Garcia would lead the change in ending gerrymandering. The Illinois 4th is one of the most gerrymandered districts in the country, designed to create a supermajority Hispanic district. Basically, it looks like a pair of earmuffs. Before I let you go, to wrap things up, there are a lot of bizarre things that happen in Illinois politics. But, Claudia, what was the most bizarre moment this week? Governor Rauner drinking a glass of chocolate milk in the middle of the Thompson Center to symbolize diversity. (laughs) It was pretty weird. Uh, Picture the Thompson Center food court during the lunch rush. Rauner and the head of diversity for Hyatt Hotels are on the stage in the center of the atrium for a Black History Month celebration. So as we talk about diversity and inclusion, for those who may not understand, I'm going to do a slight demonstration. I'm going to ask the governor to help me with this demonstration. The exec hands the governor a glass of white milk and holds up a bottle of chocolate syrup. This chocolate syrup represents diversity. Women, people of color, people with disabilities, the aging population. He squeezes it into the glass of milk and points out that, like a lot of corporations, the diversity sits at the bottom. You don't get inclusion until you actually stir it up. I want you to stir it up, Governor. Stir it up. And it actually tastes pretty good, but I'm not going to ask the governor to drink it because it may not be good, but it does taste good. I'll drink it. I'll You'll be drink proud it? To. He'll be proud too. There you go. So diversity it's is really, really good. <laughs> diversity. And he drank it. He did drink it. And there were a lot of people watching. An onlooker tweeted out a picture with a deadpan sort of, are you kidding me right now kind of comment. And Chicago native Chance the Rapper saw it and he tweeted, quote, y'all effing goofy as hell. I think we're all going to look at our chocolate Ovaltine a little differently after that, probably. But, but here's another thing. If I were Rauner, I'm not sure I'd be drinking anything handed to me by somebody who works at the place that made Pritzker his billions of dollars. Pritzker, of course, is one of the heirs to the Hyatt Hotel fortune. Right. I'm pretty sure that Rauner didn't give too much thought to that. And Dave, um, is there anything else bizarre that caught your eye this week? Well, I don't know if this qualifies as bizarre, but it's certainly coming out of left field for sure. You know, until recently, nobody in the political world that I mingle in had ever heard of a guy named Burt Miner. He's out in DuPage County. He's running for Jeannie Ives' seat in the Illinois House. This week, word surfaced that Miner repeatedly used the N-word and a derogatory term that refers to lesbians in a face-to-face encounter with Republican Attorney General candidate Erica Harold. And Erica is African-American. Well, you're right, Melba. She's the first African-American Republican running for statewide office in state history. Well, as soon as Harold confirmed this conversation took place, the entire GOP establishment went on big-time damage control. They called on Miner to pull out of the race. They condemned his remarks. But guess what? He says he doesn't want to go. And he didn't deny his remarks. This comes after the uproar over Holocaust denier Arthur Jones. Remember him? He's the Republican challenger in the 3rd Congressional District. 
So you've got a Nazi and now apparently a bigot and a homophobe. That's definitely not a good look for the party that produced Abraham Lincoln, Ronald Reagan, and Bruce Rauner. And they're both staying in their respective races. Dave McKinney covers state politics for us. Claudia Morell covers Chicago city politics for WBEZ. Thanks to you both. Thank you. Thanks. You can download WBEZ's Illinois Elections 2018 podcast in Apple Podcasts or wherever you download. This is WBEZ.